You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Whew. Yawn crept up on me. So I am going to try to go as quickly as possible because today is one of those special I didn't get out of bed fast enough days. You know, it's actually, it's actually kind of funny when I think back on myself trying to decide whether or not I'm supposed to swipe for snooze or dismiss alarm. (laughs) The, The amount of agony and torment for the amount of brain power that I have to use for being so tired and just knowing all I want is to go back to sleep. But I know one of these is going to cause a very serious problem for me in the future, and one of them means I get to sleep for a little bit longer depending on if I set another alarm later, but that depends on what time it is. And that, at that point, it's, I don't, I, man, I don't know. I can't get that far. And then there's that unfortunate one where you do realize what time it is, and it's like, oh my goodness, I gotta get up. You know, you, you swipe snooze or dismiss or whatever it is, and it's like, did that say four o'clock? What time, what, what time do I go to work? Do I work at four o'clock? I better get up and figure this out, because that doesn't seem right. And then just the amount of anger, because I'm, I'm not refreshed. I don't feel good. It's like, why didn't you just get up at three? It would hurt, and we could be productive at the same time, and we could take our time, and you'd probably get breakfast. Now you get nothing, except the agony, and you have to go downstairs and tell everyone it's going to be a short episode, and you're not sure how to even do what you wanted to talk about, because you don't have enough time. But it is, it is funny thinking back a little bit. Like, I wish I could just be there and watch myself try to figure it out in just disgust and annoyance. The amount of annoyance that is just lingering over me at that moment is just... And it's every day, which is... I don't know, it's kind of funny. It's humorous a little bit. But anyways, happy Tuesday. Today, as a um, request by Mr. JJ, he was mentioning how uh, ESPN, you know, they went out and did their top ten list and Aaron Jones wasn't on it and everybody was upset and we did an episode about it. Apparently, they're just going to keep going with this. They, they, uh, I guess why not, right? I mentioned to you the formula for how to get really popular. Although, I feel like if you're ESPN, you've kind of maxed out your popularity. Every, everybody that understands what a sport is knows what ESPN is. But that, that's a separate issue. At that point, I feel like you want just credibility. But, you know. Still, if, if the goal is viral, make a, a list that is 90% good, 10% really stupid. And uh, that's that's your best formula for success for going viral. Or something that's just kind of terrible. But 
if it's too terrible, people are going to catch on and be like, this is, this guy's, it's not even funny. It's kind of like humor when it's like dumb humor. And you get down to Will Ferrell and it's like, all right, that's still pretty funny. And then you get down to like Jim Carrey and it's like, this guy's just stupid. I mean, I'm listen, I'm sorry, but I don't know how I ever liked Jim Carrey's movies. They're pretty good movies, but the guy is just like, dude, just relax, all right? Especially as I get older. Maybe when you're like eight, Jim Carrey's funny. But like, dude, you're like, you were like, what, 20s, 30s, 40s making these movies? You act like an eight-year-old boy. It's some like not not like a normal eight-year-old boy. I was never like Jim Carrey. You act like that one kid, the one kid in elementary school. You know he took medication. It didn't work. Granted, that kid was funny. Got in trouble a lot. But imagine being thirty. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, 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 anyways. I wanted to kind of rip through a couple different positions and kind of look at the question, are they top 10? Now, I actually think defense is going to be more interesting because offense is a little bit more defined. And if it's not, if you know, if it's not really defined, we've kind of already talked about it. We talked about Aaron Jones and then you got, you know, but I, I, I just want to put a finer point on it. I don't even know if we have time to get through the entire offense, but we'll see what we can do. So Aaron Jones, I already said, and, and there's a whole episode on it. If you didn't hear it, just go back a couple days ago to what Saturday maybe I already talked up talked about it but and again maybe there's there's a really good formula for some of this stuff and I don't even know if I'm necessarily going to definitively put a point on it myself other than to present as much information as I can and just kind of say what do you think sometimes it'll be obvious sometimes it's not like with Aaron Jones I really think it's pretty obvious he's top 10 now, the other interesting little tidbit that uh, J.J. put in there, because this is what ESPN is doing, and I think it's more relevant anyways, isn't so much has he been top 10, but will he be top 10? Now, we can't necessarily project how good everybody else is going to be, right? If we said Aaron Jones was, you know, eighth, which I, I think he's clearly better than eighth, but let's just say, or Devontae, you know, because there's a lot of really good wide receivers. You know, can you really look at the stable of running backs or wide receivers that have come into the NFL going into their second year, going into the third year, finally got a quarter? You know, in other words, if you got a round table of all these other 32 teams, every one of those 32 teams would find a reason why their guy's about to break out, right? You talk to the Detroit Lions, they get to, dude, yeah, Aaron Jones, whatever. Wait till DeAndre Swift. Da, 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 da. Right, Dalvin Cook, oh, this offensive line is going to get better. And da, 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 da. I don't know if the Bears would have the tenacity to try to bring up Montgomery, but you, you get my point. You know, the Colts with uh, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you know, they, they got a really good case to make. You've got a road-grading, top-tier offensive line, and you just drop t- Jonathan Taylor in that backfield. I mean, you know, who knows? But I don't want to come at it from that angle because that's just a ridiculous... There's way too many variables to even try to figure that out. So really, it just comes down to where do they fall? Are they close to top 10? And if they're not, then it's more definitive. If they are, is are they going to be pushed out or pushed in based on that? Whatever. So anyways, actually, why don't we take a break before we get there? Uh, make sure you're in the Packing Up Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packing Up Podcast Facebook page. If you want to help the show, um, you can join Patreon for a buck a month or more if you choose. If you're in the Facebook group or Facebook page, there's a place to donate right there. would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, the the number one way, honestly, to help the show is just to share it. My number one goal, I don't want to say in life, but let's face it, it's it's up there, is to grow the show. 
the money is just to help grow the show. And, you know, grow the show is about making money anyway, but just whatever. Everything. The YouTube channel. The Facebook page. It's all about just let's try to get more people listening to the show. So the absolute number one way is in casual conversation with Packer fans, co-workers, family members. Hey, man, you know what's a really good show? Packernet Podcast. Oh, you haven't heard of it because it's buried to, you know, number 742 on iTunes when you search Packers? Don't worry about it. That has nothing to do with the show. That has to do with iTunes being a joke. iTunes hasn't even... uh, iTunes is the... uh, Oh, my goodness. Of all the players... Of all the podcast players, iTunes is the only one that hasn't updated my logo yet. The only one. That's too brain damaged to say, oh, he's got a new logo. We should update that. They can't do it. It meets all the requirements. Everything's good. iTunes is just dumb. Of all these garbage players that are out there, when you search Packers, iTunes is the only one that has like a Puritan thing first and a chess one before me and a bunch of ones that don't play anymore in front of my show. It's just, it's a joke. It's an absolute, they've got the entire thing cornered, and they're just like, eh. I don't know if that's just like a, a status thing or a power play, you know? Kind of like you're going out with a group of friends, and you got one guy that's really good looking, and all the the ladies like him, and he's just like, eh, whatever, I don't care, I'm not interested. And all the guys there are like, uh, excuse me, we wish. And he's like, yeah, well, I don't really care. And then you start punching him, you know what I mean? We should all get together and punch iTunes. That's what I'm trying to say. So anyways, if you want to share it with Aunt Jackie, be like, hey man, even if they're not into Packers, just tell them it's about knitting. She doesn't know. She doesn't know what she likes. Let's face it. I mean, she married Uncle Fred. Think about it, right? What does she know about what she likes? Nothing. Anyways, let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back and uh, look at some stuff. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So again, we already did um, Aaron Jones. I want to look at Devontae next because I really think this is probably maybe the easiest of uh, of all the remaining offensive people to talk about. <laughs> What's up, buddy? I know what to do now. Dismiss burn. So one of the, the interesting things, and I apologize for not having done this sooner, but if we start with PFF grades, one of the things that I've said is that Devontae, um, he, he graded out as 10th, which makes him top 10. And again, really, it's not disrespectful to say somebody's at the back half of the top 10 when you're talking wide receivers. Number one, it's not like quarterbacks where there's like 34 of them. 32 plus maybe a couple got injured and two others slid in for a significant enough period of time. There are a lot of wide receivers out there. Lots and lots and lots. Every team utilizes fairly heavily at least three. And then you've got number four and number five and maybe even number six and seven or whatever that they've used. There's a lot. And then the, the top end of the talent spectrum of wide receivers is massive. Right? I mean, it, this is the problem when you talk about Devontae in the top five. And really, nobody nobody gets that mad. I mean, some Packer fans get a little bit more mad than others, but it's hard to get too mad when you start listing names if somebody leaves Devontae out because you look at the top five, no matter who you put in it, although now if you put Michael Thomas in it, people have a conniption fit because that's the new thing where he's basically a garbage wide receiver who's overvalued, whatever. I don't know. I don't care. That's not my fight. That's everybody else's fight. I don't care. But otherwise, when you read off that list, it's like, yeah, those dudes are pretty good, man. But here's the thing. One of the things I, when you look at PFF, the default is the regular season. And as I mentioned to you, this was quite a long time ago, so if you're relatively new, this is new information, but I don't know if we've seen peak Devante. Because when I did a a whole episode, or at least a large episode on Devante Adams, I mentioned how he gets better every year. And that has been consistent, right? I, I, I laid it out like, you know, that from from both angles, the amount of really good games, the amount of elite games, the amount of not great games, the amount of terrible games, everything. So in year one, a lot of terrible games and, and zero elite games, you know, and it just slowly shifted more and more to the other side to where there's no terrible games, very few bad games, a handful of mediocre games, quite a few good games. And then, you know, I made what, four-ish elite games, whatever. And on top of all that, not only was 2019 his best season, his best game ever, ever, was against the Seattle Seahawks. So it's an incomplete grade to look at this guy who continues to get better and better and better and better and better and better and better without including the offseason in which he was really, really great. So shame on me. So if you include all of the work Devontae did, Here is the full list of wide receivers and the body of work that they did for the entire year that they played. The number one wide receiver in football was Chris Godwin out of Tampa Bay. Very underrated thing. Now, now understand, here's the other thing. If we're talking about where do they fall in 2020, make no mistake, Chris Godwin is a very good wide receiver. He's been good since day one, but if you look at his grades, it's 81, 80, 90.7. Outside of that, 
Chris Godwin's grades throughout the season, 60, 90, 60, 90, 90, 80, 60, 60, 70, 60, 90, 70, 70. So he's got these games where it's like, boom, massive games, right? You know, three receptions, 50 yards and a touchdown, and then eight receptions, 121 yards and a touchdown, three receptions, 40 yards. 12 receptions, 172 yards, two touchdowns, right? I mean, he's a, he's a big play guy. So you have 4-4-2 speed, he's real quick, and then you add in that style of offense, which granted, he's got a better quarterback now, but he's not Jameis, which, you know, nine times out of ten, that's a compliment, but Jameis was pretty adept at just launching the ball down the field, big plays. So, if, you know, how many of these 14 target, 12 reception, 172-yard, two touchdown games is he going to have? Or eight targets, seven receptions, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. How many games like that is he going to have? So although he'll be good, I, I I wonder if he'll go back to the, the that 80 range, to being a very good wide receiver, but maybe not super, super elite. I don't know that, in other words, he's cemented himself as always being this good every year like Julio Jones. So if we remove, so let's remove him from the list. We're looking at 2020. I think Chris Godwin's going to continue to be a very good wide receiver. I think he is massively underrated as a wide receiver. Nobody talks about him. He's never been bad even as a rookie, but I don't know that he stays in the 90s just because he had one year in the 90s. And again, when you look at that year, he had four games in the 90s that overshadowed basically a bunch of 60s and low 70s type games. So if we remove him, number one becomes Julio Jones. Number two becomes Michael Thomas. I'll leave them there because, again, they've been doing this since forever, and I don't see signs of slowing down. Now, I guess technically you could say the same thing about Michael Thomas, but he had a, most of his games are 70s. He also had a bunch of 80s and then a few 90s sprinkled in. So it's a little bit different. On top of that, he's been in the 90s every year. This was actually technically a slightly down year. And even if you want to say it's all Breeze, that's a separate argument. The, the, what he does on the field is pretty well established. Same with Julio Jones. But do you know who's next on the list? It's not DeAndre Hopkins. It's not Mike Evans. It's not Tyreek Hill. It's not Amari Cooper. It's Devontae Adams. He is number four via PFF in 2019, the fourth best wide receiver in all of football. And again, if we remove Chris Godwin from the equation, which whether you want to or not is up to you, I'm going to do it. And again, the fact that Devontae continues to ascend, and the only guy that's a significant threat, and it could be anybody, but DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams had an 88 overall grade on the season. DeAndre Hopkins had an 87.8, so he was basically the same. But remember, DeAndre Hopkins left Houston and is now playing for Arizona. And, and here, here's another thing, and I almost got into an argument on Twitter, but I just, I just deleted it because I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care enough. Um, plus, the original point of the tweet was to, to compliment Kyler because Kyler shouted out Aaron Rodgers, said that EA was being disrespectful by not putting him in the, the 90s or whatever. So I didn't want to just turn around and trash the guy. But uh, all the Arizona fans are talking about how great Kyler is. And I've talked about this a thousand times. A lot of people really like the Cardinals. Um, there was I was listening to a podcast where they were like, is it possible that the Cardinals have four teams in the playoffs this year, which we'll, I want to talk about that maybe tomorrow. I think that could be a fun episode. But the point is the general consensus is that Kyler is a very good quarterback. And again, my least favorite argument of all time was prevalent throughout the comments section of people that like Kyler. Well, if you just watch the film, bro. Dude, I, I can't help you if you don't watch tape, bro. Shut it. The bottom line is Kyler Murray depending on how you want to slice it, was the lowest graded quarterback of anybody by a PFF. Now, again, maybe you don't like PFF. Fine, I don't care. Maybe they're not perfect. 
But I can't reconcile. Like, if, if you want to say, I don't think Devontae is top five, he's number six. Okay, fine. PFF is wrong by two. Whatever. You're going to tell me that they're lowest graded quarterback. And that's not of everybody. I'm talking about guys that started. And I'm omitting guys that are not going to start. So if you filter out guys that didn't play very much and then get rid of the two guys that did play a significant amount, uh, the Panthers guy and then the the Jacoby Brissett, I forget the Panthers guy's name, but remove them because they're not playing this year, probably. Kyler Murray was the lowest graded quarterback of anybody. So no, I'm not buying that he's this elite quarterback. And I'm certainly not buying that Arizona is going to be this elite team because they have a million holes outside of having a bad quarterback. So do I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to take a step forward? Maybe. I don't don't think so, though. Because no matter how you slice it, there is zero question his quarterback got a lot worse. So I don't think Hopkins is going to catch him. I just, I don't think so. And and anything could happen. I don't know, but I just, I don't think so. So, I mean, again, the the question of is Devontae Adams top 10, if you look at yardage, for example, and if you do regular season, which I think is, is the fair way to do it, Devontae had 997 yards because some of these guys weren't in the postseason. But then extrapolate that out over 16 games. And yes, granted, most of these guys, or a lot of these guys didn't play 16, but he's the only one that was playing 12. Uh, That puts him at 1,329 yards, which would bump him up just under Chris Godwin, making him number four overall. Now, granted, Chris Godwin played 14 games. Uh, Julio Jones played 15. But the guys under him, who you could, you know, well, they would have been above, well, uh, Devontae Parker had 1,200 yards. He played 16. Keenan Allen played 16. Kenny Galladay played 16. Amari Cooper played 16. DJ Moore played 15. I don't think that bumps him up over Devontae. So he would still be number four in yards per game, let's call it, which I'm sure I could look that up, but I, you know, I'm not going to right now. Again, we're very short on time. Touchdowns were very low, again, just looking at the regular season, but again, you look at five, that puts him up closer to seven, which puts him between, you know, it would make him tied for 13th. But beyond that, again, Devontae's a touchdown monster. This was an anomaly of a year, so if you're going to knock him out of the top 10 because he didn't have quite enough touchdowns to satisfy what you, you're being silly. You're just being silly for the sake of being silly, and that's all there is to it. Um... I think looking at yards per reception is always a bad... It's very simple to know if you're using a good metric or a bad metric. And I've said this before. If you want to know something is a good metric or a bad metric, sort it by that metric and see if you have a good list. For example, people want to knock PFF. Okay, here's PFF's list. You tell me if this is good or bad. Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Tyree Kill, Cortland Sutton. Now, some of these people, well, that's not a good list. Well, probably not a good list because there's a lot of really good wide receivers that you don't know anything about. Uh, who's Cortland Sutton? I don't know. Ask a Broncos fan. He'll tell you. Who's Terry McLaurin? Go talk to a Washington Redskins fan if you don't know who Terry McLaurin is. Oh, by the way, I told you I was going to keep calling them the Redskins. They haven't changed their name yet, so there. I have a vote on that. I was listening to a podcast about it, which I wanted to just, I don't know, I was getting annoyed because they were... They were trying to be least offensive as they could be, and they just kept saying no to everything because everything was offensive. I just wanted to, I don't know, some of these things, like, give me a break. I was talking about how we should get rid of the Chiefs. Okay, let's, 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 let me interject here. Redskins is bad because it's a bad word, right? Could argue whether or not it was when they implemented it regardless. In 2020, it is, so we're going to get rid of it fine. Why are you getting rid of the Chiefs? And I'm not saying you, I'm just saying apparently that's a thing where some people, we got to get rid of the Chiefs. There's another one where it's the tribe. Indians maybe could be derogatory, but listen, 
there's getting rid of something that's derogatory. And then on the other end of the spectrum is let's erase everything that has to do with Native Americans because, um, listen, <laughs> that's kind of the exact opposite of what you're going for, I think. We want to erase any sort of Native American pride from American culture. That is probably more racist than Redskins. So let's just kind of cool it. Nobody else needs to change their name, all right? The Braves. Got to change. Why? Because you don't want to tie the word brave to the word Native American because, you know, that would just be terrible. God forbid we give them a compliment. Ugh. Just, just cool it. Anyways, one of the names they thought would be way too offensive that I actually like has to do with the fact that I am a Whitewater alum. I don't know if you can call yourself an alum if you didn't graduate, but I, I went to the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater for three years. I got the t-shirt, literally. I think two of them, although they're lost now. But Whitewater's uh, school, team, whatever, are known as the Warhawks. I think the Washington Warhawks would be awesome. Now, John Breach over at ABC or whatever said Warhawks is probably too offensive, um, and John Breach needs to get smacked. And I understand he's saying, you know, we got to be careful for what's going to happen down there. Listen, if we get to a point in society where Warhawk is too offensive, burn it down. I'm talking with literal fire, and I'm talking about the whole world. Because this is irredeemable. If you can't handle Warhawk, burn it with fire. All of it. Everything. I would put that in right. I would change the name to the Washington Warhawks today, and I would put in writing, if the Warhawks become too offensive for this country, this team is hereby burned with fire. And as soon as everybody starts to... Man- as soon as Nike comes to me and says, stop calling yourself the Warhawks, I have to evacuate this building by law. It's written in here. I have to. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not up to me. I have to evacuate the building and light it on fire. Anyways... So, you know, uh, sort by <laughs> sort by the, the, the stat that you think is a good stat, and, um, you know, there you go. But Terry McLaurin, for the Washington Warhawks, is, he's fantastic. He really is very good. You're never going to know it, because that team is just a joke. But the dude is just phenomenal. At least he was, you know. I think he got hurt or something. I don't know, but he, he's solid. If we do yards per reception, which some people really like, you know, um, especially if, like Kenny Galladay fans. I think I saw this yesterday on Twitter. Uh, somebody looked at Kenny Galladay's yards per reception or something and was like, see, this is why Kenny Galladay should be considered blah, 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 blah. Give me a break. So if I sort by yards per reception, here is your top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. You ready? Mike Williams, A.J. Brown, Mecole Hardman, David Moore, Kenny Galladay, John Ross... Stephon Diggs, Brashad Perriman, Mike Evans, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. So there's, it doesn't make you a bad receiver. There's some great wide receivers in there. Mike Williams is semi-talented, although he's a massive disappointment. A.J. Brown had a fantastic year for Tennessee. Kenny Galladay is a very good wide receiver. Um, Stephon Diggs, Brashad Perriman, Mike Evans, these are good wide receivers. But Marquez, Valdez, Scantling becomes a top 10 wide. Again, if you want to know if it's a good or bad stat, to and, and you can add it to the formula, but this should be low on the list of things that matter in terms of how good a wide receiver is. Because again, just sort it and then look at the list and say, is this a good top 10 list? Yes or no. Right, if you do yards, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams, Tyler Lockett, this is um, for the entire year, so Devontae 
gets back into the list. Tyler Lockett, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen, Kenny Galladay. Now, most people would probably like that list more, but let me, let me tell you a little secret. The reason, and maybe I'm sounding biased here, but I'm, I'm being very serious. The reason that the PFF grades didn't sound as good as the yards is because most people are lazy. They look at yards. They use that to determine who's best. That's why these are the names you hear most often. And I'm not saying these are bad wide receivers. These are very good wide receivers, but uh, whatever. Using PFF grades is a good metric. Using yards is not a bad metric. Again, those that's a solid top 10 list. There's really nobody in there that I would necessarily disagree with. Now, Tyler Lockett, maybe, or no, he, I mean, he's solid, but I don't know if he should be sixth. He is in terms of yards and touchdowns, but in terms of, you know, everything else, it's questionable. Uh, maybe some people would question Devontae Parker, but I think he's a little bit underrated. But it's a solid list, so yards are fine. Touchdowns, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, Marvin Jones, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett, Michael Thomas, Darius Slayton. Uh, there's there's so many that are tied. It's the, it, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Mike Evans, D.J. Chark, Amari Cooper. That's not really top. It's top 14, but they're all those guys are all tied for ninth, the last couple there. So, again, you can look. I mean, I, I can tell you right now what are the better metrics. There's PFF grades are solid, yards are solid, touchdowns, not great. Probably better than yards per reception, but it's it's not great. Marvin Jones, Cooper Cup, which, you know, Cooper Cup two years ago, whatever, was fine. Cooper Cup 2019, no. Uh, Darius Slayton, no. So it's not a great metric. Even if you do passer rating when targeted, which is one of the things that people, well, this is, you know, it's, it's great because passer rating is awesome and this is your wide receiver. Here's the list of your top 10 wide receivers, uh, passer ratings when targeted. Number one, Mecole Hardman. Then Hollywood Brown, Kenny Stills, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, Kendrick Bourne, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin. Not a good way to judge wide receivers. What if we do yards after the catch per reception? Mecole Hardman, David Moore, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Isaiah McKenzie, whoever that is, John Ross, Josh Reynolds, Chris Godwin, Hunter Renfro, Robert Woods. So, I mean, keep this in the back of your mind because some people love to use these. Passer rating when targeted is a garbage metric. Yards after the catch per reception is a garbage metric. It's not useless, but it's important information with certain context if you want to know certain information. It's not a good way to just outright judge wide receivers. Neither is yards per reception. Now, one of the big counters, and again, a lot of people that don't like PFF and are going to argue about stats. Again, there's only two things you can say. Number one is watch the tape, bro. Number two is football outsiders. Um, to the football outsiders crew, I got some bad news for you. Devontae Adams ranks 31st in DYAR, 43rd in DVOA. Football Outsiders does not like Devontae Adams at all. Now, again, let's do the same trick. What's their top 10 list? Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley is their number five wide receiver, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Devontae Parker, Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs. Now, this is similar to, like, touchdowns, in my opinion. There, there's mostly good some that are good but probably shouldn't be top 10 and some that you just scratch your head and say why would they be up there Calvin Ridley is not the top five wide is not a top five wide receiver he's not a top 10 wide receiver he's decent he's a solid number two he doesn't belong in there you got Tyreek Hill 12th you got Mike Williams above Keenan Allen you got DeAndre Hopkins is 17th so listen the bottom line is football outsiders is a it's I'm not saying it's outright a bad metric but they're 
ability to grade. And they're again, they're not doing what PFF is doing in grading. They're, they're contextualizing statistics. And at the very least, um, they're wrong about wide receivers. It's not a useless metric. You can use it. But if you use it as, you know, quote unquote, the gospel, it's, it's a bad thing to do. And, and, and again, it's very simple to judge these things. Just sort it, right? Let's, let's do their DVOA because that's different than DYAR. If you do DVOA, it's, it's actually worse. Chris Godwin, then Calvin Ridley, then Tyrell Williams, uh, Oakland Raiders. Tyrell Williams is number three. A.J. Brown, then Kenny Stills, Tyler Lockett, Stephon Diggs, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, and Amari Cooper. That's your top ten. That's putrid. That is absolutely putrid. Alan Lazard is uh, 18th above Devontae. Let's see who else is above Devontae here. Julio Jones is 21st. Uh, Darius Slayton is uh, 25th. Zach Pascal is 26th. Keenan Allen is 28th. DeAndre Hopkins is 31st. Randall Cobb. T.Y. Hilton is 40th. Cole Beasley is above Adams. And then you got Demarcus Robinson of the Kansas City Chiefs is one spot ahead of Devontae Adams. By the way, Allen Robinson is two spots behind. So it's, it's just garbage. It's pure garbage. If you want to use Football Outsiders, fine. I, I just, I can't. And I have some people that scold me like, dude, why do you use PFF so much? Why don't you use Football Outsiders? I don't know, because of this. Because, listen, I agree with people that say, why don't you just watch the tape? The problem is, you don't watch it. Nobody does. Nobody watches every single player. Nobody watched every single quarterback. I'm glad that you're a Cardinals fan and you watched your quarterback and you thought he did a fantastic job. But you don't know how well he did compared to Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, uh, who anybody you don't know you can't contextualize it that way that's the reason i don't like that as a quote-unquote metric and the other thing is even if you do watch them number one you're biased and number two you don't have a solid metric to you you know if somebody makes a pass is that good and how good is it what is the the metric i'm not even going to get beyond wide receiver whatever we're doing wide receiver today hopefully tomorrow we'll have more time we'll round up the offense but you, there's no way to contextualize it. The reason I like PFF is because watch the film is the best way to do it, and PFF is the only organization that does that. They're not perfect at it. It's hard to perfectly contextualize it, but there is no better metric outside of statistics and contextualized statistics, which Football Outsiders, I think, does a relative... I mean, as good as contextualizing statistics goes, they do as good a job as you can get, but there's much more nuance that they're not getting because they're not watching. And that's always been my issue with Football Outsiders. Not that it isn't, you know, the gold standard for statistics or whatever else. I think they're great, but I, I just, I know what they're doing. And it's it's just kind of, eh. You know, for example, looking at how good a team did up against a certain defense. Based on how good that defense is, it gives you a contextualized, and that's a little bit better because it's a little broader, right? When you look at wide receivers, the problem is you look at how good their, their corners are. But what about the specific corner they're going up against? What about the scheme? What about zone versus man? What if that corner was hurt that week? Are you just basing it off of how good the defense is as overall? Because that's dumb. You're not going up against the whole defense. You're just going up against a one corner. And then maybe you're double teamed. Are you taking that into account? No, they're not. But at least if it's your team versus defense. But even that is kind of self-defeating. Because how good a defense is, a lot of the time, has to do with how good the offense is they're going up against. So are you contextualizing how good their defense is based on how good the offenses in they are that they go up against? And that's where you get into this loop that is unresolvable. 
I know because I tried doing what Football Outsiders did, did uh, 15 years ago. I was like, you know what I want to do because it was in, uh, you know, I was, I was you know, basically gambling with, uh, we had this pool. And I, actually, speaking of, I want to get these pools going, but it was on uh, CBS. You pick certain teams to win or lose or whatever. And I thought what would be better than looking at a team's record is looking at a team's record based on the defenses they went up against. And I tried to build essentially what Football Outsiders built before Football Outsiders, I knew, I knew about them. And the problem is you get to a point where you're trying to judge how good their opponent is based on the, well, I was looking at the opponent's record, but the problem is the opponent's record has to do with other teams. So then you have to base it on how good that team is. But the problem is you have to figure out how good, it's just, it's this constant loop that can't really be resolved. So you kind of just got to leave it out. It's how good your team is against this defense, period. Not, not, not listening. And the other issue is you don't really get a fuller picture until you go up against more teams. So when you're halfway through the season, you've only played seven or eight games, depending on if you've had a bye or not. That's not enough to contextualize anything. You might have had the worst going up against the worst offenses in football for seven games. And your defense is overinflated. So now we're overinflating how good a defense is. So if my team beats that team, it's it's overinflating how good my team is because you're overassuming how good that defense is when really they're not that good. They just haven't gone up against any offense as good as mine. And now, by the way, their defense gets the it's just it's just a it's it's good, but it's there's too many problems with it for me which is why I don't use it all that often. I use, The only reason I really go to Football Outsiders is because some people get tired of me using PFF so much and they really like Football Outsiders. And again, that's fine, but please don't, at, at least don't use it, um, I mean, to, to judge wide receivers, I guess. But but if you want to, then fine. Devontae is, is not even a, he's not even a good wide receiver. Devontae's a number two. And really, Alan Lazard is our best wide receiver. Better than... Uh, I mean, he's 18th. He's a number one. He's legit. 18th best wide receiver, way better than Devontae. So anyway, leaving out yards per reception and football outsiders, Devontae is not only a clear top 10, he's a pretty comfortable top five. And I would say going forward in 2020, if you were to bet on who would end up top five, Devontae is a safe bet. Devontae is still ascending. He had his best games at the end of the year. He was already top five in most categories. And I believe if this offense takes a step in the direction that they want it to, Devontae's only going to get better. Now, it may possibly mean a step backwards in terms of statistics, although I don't think that's true. It certainly doesn't necessarily have to be true. I think in terms of his efficiency, this is why I did an episode a few days ago about are we wasting Devontae's prime. Looking at what he does best, I think he would blend even better, even better. If you were to ask me, does he have the potential to be the number one wide receiver in football, especially if this offense really takes off and and does what it is this offense is meant to do which is to get the ball out quicker which is what Devontae is bred for it's what he was meant to do to get off the line quick and get the ball in his hands right away zero question in my mind Devontae could end the season graded out as the best receiver in football even with you know running the ball more or whatever it, it doesn't matter because there's still going to be a, a pass first team even you know most run heavy teams are still over 50% of the time they pass. It's just, you know, they're not 80% of the time they pass. It's closer to 50 than than 75 or what a lot of these other pass-happy teams are doing. When you're run-heavy, it just means you're you're closer to 50% than most teams. I think there were a couple that were actually, uh, like Baltimore, maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. Baltimore, I think, ran more, and that, that probably included quarterback scrambles. But anyways, I, I, I think it's more likely, let's put it this way, 
it's more likely he's number one than he falls out of the top ten. And I would say it's unlikely he's not top five. So that, that again, that's an easy one. Now, again, if we had more time, we would move on to something else. But it took me f- almost 40 minutes to uh, to say Devontae's top ten. So we'll we'll have to stretch this out a bit. But again, this was easy. Now, it does actually get harder tomorrow when we have to look at Aaron Rodgers. Because as I said, we, we've got two competing things. Number one, I don't think if you wanted to say that he was not top ten in any year over the last four or five years, whatever, you could probably make a case. You could also probably make a case he's not elite if we use the the metric that he needs to have been top three or even top five. However, it does get a little bit more complicated when you look at 2020. Because as I've said, every year when you look at, at top 10, it's not the same guys. You get guys that come in and out. You have some guys, like especially with wide receiver, where they come in for a year and then they're gone. You're never going to see him again. And that might push you down that year so that every year there's there's four or five guys that that show up, you know, like Kirk Cousins showed up this year, and he might not be next year. The question is, who are you going to put money down on? If you had to pick 10 guys, who are you going to put money down on? I think Aaron Rodgers is probably a safer bet than... I don't think you can find nine guys that are a safer bet. I could be wrong. We'll have to look at it tomorrow. But I think if you look at it from that context, would he be one of the safer bets to be in the top 10? Just because he hasn't been. And I, I'm sure a lot of people are very upset because well, how dare you say he's not hasn't been in the top 10. Of course he has been. Okay, well, again, it, it's it's kind of splitting hairs territory. But if he's top 10, he's back half of the top 10. And that that's because of two issues. Number one is a lot of really talented, really young quarterbacks coming up. And number two is Aaron Rodgers just not performing at a high enough level. It's just the reality. There's no question that this is not the same Aaron Rodgers we saw in 2010, 2011, 2012. 2014 especially. It's just not. But again, that's for tomorrow. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastical day. Again, make sure you check out Fan to Fan Network. I just got my credentials, so I will be putting up a... I'm planning to do an article based on what I talked about today with this uh, podcast linked into it. So if you'd like to see the numbers and statistics bore out, that's where you're going to find it. Again, fan2fannetwork.com. It's still kind of iffy because they haven't officially launched it, but you can go check it out, see what it's about. Also, Pack Daddy NFL is going to be my YouTube channel. As of right now, it's all NFL Draft content, but again, I'm going to be turning that into a Packers channel that also does NFL Draft content. So if you want to get a jump on that, go subscribe to Pack Daddy NFL. Um, make sure you hit the bell notification, and then select all so that you get all the notifications. Um, the only reason I'm actually not putting out uh, content right now is number one, my my camera hasn't arrived. Number two, I want to do a draft video next, and those take a really long time, so that I can tell my draft subscribers, hey, just so you know, there's Packers stuff coming. I don't want to just smack them in the mouth with now this is a Packers channel. Um, I want to want to kind of ease into it a bit, but go ahead and sneak in there if you're a YouTuber, YouTube watcher as I am. But uh, anyways, have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.